Welcome to the Trinity Grace Church Tribeca podcast. At Trinity Grace Church, our mission is to help New Yorkers grow in love by practicing the way of Jesus for the good of our city. If you're interested in Trinity Grace Church Tribeca, check out our website at tgctribeca.com where you can learn more about us and learn about ways that you can help support our church and this podcast. You can also follow us on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook to see and hear what's going on in our community. Thank you for joining us today and welcome grace and peace to you. about that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, up to the day Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. That is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Two men will be in the field, one will be taken, and the other left. Two women will be grinding with a handmill, one will be taken, the other left. Therefore keep watch, because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known at what time the thief, what time of night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would not have let his house be broken into. So you also must be ready, because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. The Gospel of our Lord. actually going to hold it this way. Uh-oh, going off the stand today. We'll see what happens. Uh, this morning, as we prepare our hearts to reflect on this gospel and also to lean into this season of Advent, I invite you to a practice of openness uh, where we can open our hearts to God and we can open our hearts to the people that we share this room with and we can become fully present. Um, after all, spirituality is assuming at all times that we are attentive and that we're present to our reality. And so we invite you to that this morning with whatever you bring into the room. There are a million distractions, especially in this season, um, a million of memories that continue to come into our brains and take up space, a million anticipations about the week ahead and the months ahead and our lives which await us. And now we just make a conscious decision to put all that to the periphery and to be present in this moment. And so we take a moment of quiet, and as best as you know how, uh, whether you bring in lots of faith or lots of doubt, just bring your full self to this moment and open yourself to the possibility that God could connect with you, that God could speak to you, and that we could experience this as a sacred moment together. A moment of quiet.
God, we thank you for this moment that we share. We thank you for the season of Advent, which frames our lives. It, it narrates our lives. It gives shape to our desire, and it teaches it in some way to love the things that are really good and true and beautiful and to find you in it all. And so we pray that during this season and through this moment, our lives would be able to slow down a little bit, that our hearts would be able to open up, and that we would be able to taste and to savor your love in new and rich and meaningful ways. And we pray that in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And we all said, Amen. Someone once told me that you can follow your tears to what is happening in a meaningful way in your soul. And as I reflected on that statement, I couldn't help but laugh because so many of my tears in my life have been connected to sports. Um, I think I'm, I'm, I'm like a fan of, uh, of all kinds of sports and I have my teams like a lot of you do. Um, my favorite baseball team was, is the Chicago Cubs. And when the Chicago Cubs won the World Series, it was, I just couldn't stop weeping. Uh, and you laugh, but I have video evidence, and I'm not showing it. I have shown it. That's how indulgent I am with this. But um, I'm not showing the video this morning, but there was video footage capturing me responding, screaming, yelling, crying, hugging. I mean, all of these activities connected with my love for this team and my sense of allegiance and my sense of experiences with this team throughout time. And uh, it, it's, it's beautiful. And then when I step back and think, it's also a little embarrassing. And I always ask the question, what's underneath that? What's underneath that for me? Last year, uh, I wore a Chicago Bears uh, sweatshirt. Um, for the church service, which was also, again, a, a bold act of self-indulgence. And uh, it was at the beginning of the year. The Bears were in the playoffs. They were playing the Philadelphia Eagles. And I was so excited about the game. Um, we played a really beautiful game, a great game. We had a, a drive to the, to the end that put us in a position to kick a field goal to win it. It was a very modest, reasonable field goal. And the kicker not only missed it, but he famously double-doinked it, meaning it bounced off one, another poll, and then came out. And again, this video was, or this reaction was captured on video, and you just see tears streaming down my face. And all I could say was, oh my God, he missed it. He missed it. He double-doinked it. And I'm just crying. Now, obviously, we cry at things like that, but we also cry at meaningful times. And in any time we, we experience tears, we're meant to ask the question, what's underneath this? What's going on in my soul? What am I flooded with? What am I connected with here that speaks to something happening in my life that matters? Now, desire, Advent is about desire. Advent is about a season where we reconnect with what we really want in life. We also take this time to reflect on what shape is my desire taking at this stage of life? Now, that might seem like a really easy question to answer, but it's usually not as easy as we think because the things that we desire on the surface of our lives are often not what we really want. You know, the things that we fill our time with, the things that we spend our money on are often band-aids or mute buttons for the loud desire in the deep recesses of our soul. 
And so Advent is a season to unpack that, to ask the question, what is this holy longing at the core of my being that I can see, that I can reconnect with, and that I can channel toward God? Today's theme is about worshiping fully. What does it mean to worship fully in the season leading up to Christmas? And Ronald Rollheiser, who's, if, if you ever would like a, a, a great read for the holidays, uh, the book Holy Longing by Ronald Rollheiser is an amazing read. It is such, it's informed a lot of how I think about desire and spirituality. And in that book, he kind of analyzes um, the contemporary philosophy scene and he goes like from uh, proper philosophers like uh, postmodern thinkers like Rorty and Derrida, but then he starts looking at psychologists like Freud uh, and uh, Carl Jung. And after surveying all of their ideas and thoughts when it comes to desire, he basically says this, quote, everyone is ultimately talking about the same thing, an unquenchable fire, a restlessness, a longing, a disquiet, a hunger, a longing, a gnawing nostalgia, a wildness that cannot be tamed, a congenital, all-embracing ache that lies at the center of human experience and is the ultimate force that drives everything else. This disease is universal, and desire gives no exemptions. Worship is about desire. And worship is at the same time connected to every part of our life. If I were to ask you, what does it mean to worship God? There were probably images or memories uh, that come to your mind. And most of the time when we think of worship, we think of formal moments of worship. This could be a religious ritual like what we're doing now. You know, we gather on a Sunday. Uh, we hear, we sing songs, we hear words spoken and read and reflected on. We come to this table and we experience what this table is about. And then we return to our lives and we think to ourselves, we have worshipped. But worship is always more than just our rituals. It's more than what happens on Sunday, though it includes those things. Worship is connected to every part of our life. Why? Because desire is connected to every part of our life. And there's no such thing as worship disconnected from desire. Worship is all about understanding, honing, and channeling our desire toward and for and back to God, but not in ways that are disconnected from the rest of our life. And that's kind of what I want to talk about this morning, is that worship involves all of life. It's connected to everything you experience in life. And it's not a little segment or a chapter that you put off as part of your life. What if during Advent we could recover this idea of worshiping fully as worshiping with our entire lives? Sunday through Saturday, every waking hour, and even as the mystics talked about, every sleeping hour. So this morning we're going to explore holy longing. And our text this morning was uh, from Jesus. Jesus is talking about uh, these sort of cosmic things that are on the horizon. Uh, things like, um, and, and, and really Jesus is, is preparing his disciples for what the Jewish people called the age to come. So for them, they thought this world's in turbulence, things aren't the way they should be, um, but we look to the horizon of history for things to be made right. We look to the horizon of history for God's peace and God's love and God's blessing 
to come and to fill the world as we know it, redeeming it, healing it, and making it beautiful once again. And as Jesus is talking about that day and he's talking about that horizon, he talks about preparation. And in our text, he says, you know, about that day or that hour, in other words, when that will happen, how that will happen, uh, not even the angels in heaven, nor the sun, wow, what a fact, nor the sun uh, knows, but God. And as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be in the coming of the Son of Man. And then he goes on to talk about with Noah, there was all this preparation for this sort of event on the horizon. And he gives us these beautiful popping illustrations of women who are working together, and one is taken, the other left. One is ready, one is not ready. He gives us this idea of the owner of a house and a thief that comes on a night that he does not know and is not prepared for. And so we're left with this injunction. So you also, Jesus says, must be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect. The theme here is about preparation. It's about what does it mean to be ready for what God is at work doing in our lives and in our world? What does it mean to prepare? You know, Christmas time's crazy because, like, we think about Christmas as an event, and so much of our energy is, is, is leads to that event, but it's not really preparing us to experience the event. Um, we're prepared for the accoutrements, but we're not prepared for the spiritual experience of what that means. And Jesus knew that about humanity in general, and that's why he tells his disciples so much of spirituality is about waking up. It's about being alert. It's about paying attention. It's about getting ready. Spirituality is about seeing the things that we typically don't see because we're so distracted. And what if Advent could be a season like that? Rather than being cluttered with full calendars and social obligations, rather than being cluttered with, uh, you know, wish lists and to-do lists, what if we could intentionally create space for reflection, for contemplation, for quiet, for, for, for us to be able to pay attention to how God might be at work in our lives and how we can have eyes to see our entire lives as opportunities to worship God. Advent is all about preparation. It's all about preparing our hearts and making room for God's presence in our lives. And so this morning, as we consider what that means, I want to use an, an, an image that Thomas Merton gives us. Thomas Merton was a Trappist monk uh, he wrote uh, quite a bit about what it means to uh, experience God through contemplative prayer, contemplative practice. Um, he's influenced me more than most writers and most people when it comes to that uh, way of connecting to God. And he says, when we think about God's presence, and when we think about worshiping fully, we should think about this as seeds blown through the air. He called them seeds of contemplation. And if we can think of every little experience of our lives as um, sort of having a seed of God's word in it, now we have a possibility to worship God fully. He said a lot of times we think about, you know, maybe moments like this as having a seed of God's presence that we would nurture and water and pay attention to. But what about the walk to church? What about all the things that you see on your way there? What about the interactions you had with your friends or your children or your spouse? Or what about the the way the sun hits the buildings in the dawn or in the twilight? 
What about the way the Hudson River and the East River flows and changes with the, the cascading sun? What about all of the beauty in our lives that we just take for granted? What if the seeds of God's words and God's presence are there as well? And what if we could learn to have eyes to see in every waking experience the presence of God near and closer than we could have ever imagined? What he says, though, is the problem, the thing that gets in the way of seeing life like that and offering life back to God as this beautiful experience of God's presence in love is our ego. Our ego gets in the way. This sense of self that we create, that we become addicted to, that we become so attached to. And what happens is because we create this self that helps us survive, it helps us feel safe, um, we feed it. And we take all the good things of God's creation and we use it in service of our ego. We use it in service of our ego projects, which give us meaning. And we, we see everything as revolving around and relating to ourselves. And the, the spirituality of Advent encourages us to learn how to detach from our ego, to learn how to, to sort of take a step back from the stories we tell ourselves about ourselves, to take a step back from all our grand aspirations and projects that give us a sense of meaning and worth, to take a step back even from the relationships of our lives, which often we let define us, and instead to, to observe ourselves our sort of naked self in the presence of God and say, how can I, rather than using and seeing everything to build me or to strengthen me, how can I see it for what it really is? How can I see it in its truth? How can I see it in reality? Remember Jesus taught the, the Samaritan woman, if you're going to worship, you're going to have to worship in spirit and in truth. And that's because to, to worship God means to be connected to the truth. And so much of our life, is spent in the illusion of our ego, the illusion of a self we're trying to make, a self we're trying to protect, a project that gives our life meaning. And the spirituality of Advent says, this is a time for deconstruction. This is a time where you can take a step back, observe yourself and say, oh, look how I'm doing that. Look how I'm trying to get what I need, I think I need. And what if stepping back, I could observe that I am loved as I am. I could begin to, to, to sort of flex the muscle or create the muscle memory of a spirituality that knows I'm loved as I am apart from what I do. I am loved as I am apart from what others say of me. I am loved as I am apart from what I have. Advent teaches us that to worship fully, we have to be so deeply connected to that self, the true self, rather than the false self of the ego. The Bible calls the false self the flesh. It's just this addiction to, um, to security, the security blanket of our achievements, our accomplishments, our possessions, uh, relationships of admiration and respect. And we collect them like we collect jewels or treasures, and we wear them proudly, and we protect them boldly. And Advent says, what if we could step away from that and be sort of naked in the presence of God and know that we are loved to our core. That's what Advent's about. That's what Christmas is about. And Jesus is telling his disciples here in this text to be prepared for how God will be present in the future and to be prepared for how God is present now, you have to wake up. You have to be alert. You have to, to get ready. 
And so this season of Advent as a church, I want to invite you into a sort of posture of detachment. What would it look like over these four weeks to detach a little bit? For some of you, that might look like time and how you spend your time or how you fill your time. What if you look at your calendar this afternoon, you look at your week ahead, and you carve out, I don't care how long, just a moment every day to pause and to sort of detach from your ego for a moment and to bathe in the love of God, to bathe in the love of your creator. What if you took a moment to not only do that, but to reconnect with your desire and reflect on your experience? Follow your tears. Follow your laughter. Follow all those signs of desire and ask that one difficult question, but simple question, what's underneath that? What do I really want? Um, Thomas Merton says, uh, the obstacle in ourself, that is to say, in the tenacious need to maintain our separate external egoistic will, it's when we refer all things to this outward false self that we alienate ourselves from the reality and from God. And Advent's about reconnecting with God. It's about reconnecting with the true self, the self that's loved unconditionally by God. He goes on to say, it's then the false self that becomes our God. And we love everything for the sake of this self. We use all things, so to speak, for the worship of this idol, which is our imaginary self. And in so doing, we pervert and we corrupt things rather than we turn our relationship into them, uh, we return our relationship to them as corrupt and sinful. You know, the, the saints, the great saints of history, were not people who looked at the material world and uh, the physical universe as less than and looked at God as some greater plane. And then they saw worship as denial of the material and pursuit of the spiritual. The great, great saints saw the wedding of those two, that the world God made is good and it's beautiful and it inspires us. And that we have to wed those two things together in order to worship God properly. Um, Tomas Sedlicek, who we brought in at the founding of our church, he's a Czech economist, and uh, he was talking about the morality of finance, but he had this one observation that has stuck with me forever, which is we are, our most um, haunted images in culture are images connected with a great divorce, the divorce between the body and the soul. Ghosts are souls without bodies. Zombies are bodies without souls. And it's that separation between the two that haunts us, that plagues us. And spirituality, especially Advent spirituality, is about bringing those back together, the body and the soul, the material universe and all that we sense as spiritual or transcending the spiritual or the material universe. And so Advent spirituality forces us to make space to reflect on not only our love, loved status before God, but also how everything is connected. And we explore what do we want in the midst of those connections. Finally, in addition to looking at your, your calendar and carving out time to make space to connect with God's love and also what you really want, um, one thing I invite you to is to consciously let the story linger with you. And that's why we have daily scripture readings. We have weekly devotional thoughts. Uh, this is a chance to let another story govern your life rather than all the stories we tell ourselves about this time of year. Stories of 
consumerism, of spending, um, and the identities we create around that? What if we could really entrench ourselves in another story? That's what this season's all about. That's why, what our readings are about. And we're grateful for our readers this morning and the, and the candle that we lit, lit of hope this morning. But what if you could sort of create space for that other story in preparation? Um, I close with this thought. You know, the, the two characters that we see worshiping in the gospel stories are the shepherds and the wise people, the shepherds and the magi. And both of them uh, are unlikely characters. They're characters that experience God outside of where people expected God to be. Shepherds were generally um, sort of a, on the poorer end of the socioeconomic spectrum. They were also considered unclean as a profession. And I don't know, it gets overblown sometimes in you know, circles like this where preachers are talking about shepherds, about how despised they were. You know, they weren't really terribly despised. I mean, some were, and at times they were. Uh, but in general, they were just on the outside. They were on the margins. They were sort of the servant class. They took care of, of you know, the sheep. It was a necessary job in society, but they were nowhere near the center, nowhere close to the center, politically or spiritually. But that's where the disclosure of God's glory is made in the Christmas story. They're the ones who see the angels in the heavens and hear the declaration and go and visit the Messiah Jesus. And the Magi, these are people probably of great affluence and power, but they're people from far away. Uh, any Jewish reader of these Gospels would have looked upon these characters as dubious outsiders. They're even said to be practicing sort of mystical arts that were certainly outside of the pale of Jewish uh, worship of, of the living God. And yet it's these people, through their pagan mystical practices, who somehow see and encounter a sign that points toward Christ. And so our gospel story, from the moment it starts, teaches us to expect to find God anywhere and everywhere and among anyone. That's what Advent spirituality is about. And what if we could train our eyes and our ears to find God in those pockets of our lives? People that we wouldn't expect, groups that we wouldn't expect, pockets of the world that we wouldn't expect, maybe pockets of our lives that we wouldn't expect. So maybe take a walk or maybe you know, carve out time to just sit on your couch and be quiet. Maybe light a candle in the morning or in the evening and reflect on what you really want in this world and who you are before God away from all the ego stuff that we create. And what would it look like for you to lean into the story during Advent? May God help us as we journey together. We can't wait to hear the stories of what this means and what shape it takes in our lives. Amen.